There is an interesting movement taking place in American Catholicism. It's a political movement, kind of. It's a resistance against the radical wokeism that too many other institutions have already surrendered to. They call it the rad trad movement. Rad trad means radical traditionalist. Now, many of these rad trads disagree with many of Pope Francis's ambiguous statements. Today's guest believes something is broken in the American church, and it is hard to disagree with this. He is a Catholic YouTuber, author of Infiltration, the plot to destroy the church from within. He knows an unshakable truth. Woke radicals are not just waging a war on the Catholic Church. It's a war on Christianity itself. Any violence against Christianity is fact an attack on life and love, he says, an attempt to reduce existence to hatred and death. He believes if the church falls, society will collapse. This is going to be an interesting, fascinating conversation. Please welcome Dr. Taylor Marshall. Before we get uh, to Dr. Marshall, um, let me take you back to the day when you could do all the normal things you wanted to do without feeling like you were made out of, of broken glass. I had such a hard time uh, with my hands because I was in so much pain. Um, and I just thought of this this week. I couldn't I could I couldn't hold a pen for more than like three minutes. So I couldn't write. I couldn't paint, which I'm rabid painter now and this week i just started learning how to play the piano you're not doing that with pain in your hands and i have this to thank um from relief factor relief factor has changed my life and it's not going to change everybody's life but 70 percent of the people who try it go on to order more month after month it's worked for me will you just try the three-week quick start if it's not working within three weeks, stop taking it. 1995 trial pack developed by doctors to help you get out of pain. Relieffactor.com, 1-800-4-RELIEF. So good to have you here. Thank you so much. Um, I want to start with the understanding that um, I grew up Catholic, so I know a little bit of, of what we're going to talk about, but the audience may not understand some of these terms or anything else. So um, as we go, let's make sure that we define everything so people understand what is Catholic uh, doctrine, tradition, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I want to talk to you because you're known as a rad trad, right? Yeah. What is yeah. that? Rad trad. So it kind of goes back to the 1960s. Uh, a lot of people know this, but in the 1960s, the Catholic Church was facing the modern world, mm -hmm. you know, and they said, you know, maybe we should update ourselves. Because <laughs> it was still priest facing the altar speaking latin. latin right yes everything was still very medieval gregorian <laughs> chant right and so the leadership the cardinals the pope says maybe we should kind of update things modernize things and so a council was called in the early 1960s called the second vatican council and they said you know maybe we should be more ecumenical have more dialogue put the mass and the sacraments in the vernacular away have modern music and this kind of set a trajectory on for the catholic church 
of being more and more comfortable with the world. And so since the 1960s, particularly the 1970s, there's been a, a growing movement of people who identify themselves as traditionalist. And they say, you know, maybe that was a mistake. Maybe us becoming comfortable with the world and updating and modernize has now led us to compromise on things that have to do with same-sex unions mm -hmm. or women's ordination or, or dogmatic commitments of the Catholic mm -hmm. Church. So that group of people are known sort of as traditionalist as opposed to modernist mm -hmm. or novus ordo, new order. It's actually a name that they use. Kind mm. of reminds you of the novus ordo secularum, yeah. right? And so um, I guess people who who are critical of the more traditional voice would use the term rad trad, somewhat pejorative. Okay. Um, I would just say I'm a Catholic who who is very much in line with the traditional worship so and doctrine when you of the use church. traditionalist, is it capital T or lowercase t? That's a good question. I guess it's capital. Okay. What does yeah. that mean to you? It just means that, I mean, fundamentally, and I'm very vocal about this. I have a podcast and YouTube yeah. channel. Um, that I believe that the the decisions that were made in the 1960s, all the way up until really 2023 with Pope Francis, that that was a pivot that ultimately has undermined Christian teaching. Instead of the emphasis on discipleship, fasting, prayer, focus on Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. it's a lot more globalist, a lot more focused on the UN. Just today, Bill Clinton announced that he's going to have this conversation with Pope Francis about globalism. And, and I think that trajectory in the 1960s has got us to yeah. the Pope sitting down with Bill Clinton. <laughs> I think that's a problem. Okay? Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm not happy about that. And there's, a, there's a, actually, I mean, it's growing globally, this sort of traditional mindset of like, we're starting to see the fruit that's been born mm -hmm. in the 2020s, mm -hmm. particularly when COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And people are scratching their head and say, well, how did we, my grandmother's Catholicism was radically yeah. different than what's going on now. And people are starting to ask those questions. And so you could say this rad trad or radical traditional position is becoming more and more popular and more and more accessible to, to lay people and to clergy. So there's not a problem for me um, to return to the things that worked. You know, that's what conservative is. We look at the things that work. Let's get rid of the stuff from the past that doesn't work. Yep. Let's conserve the things that do work. Um, but I, I, I just because the FBI targets traditional Latin mass, which a rad trad would yep. be want you'd want the return of the Latin mass. Yes, of okay. course. That's where we go every Sunday. OK, yeah. so. Um, that's what the FBI is targeting. And there is, and, and it's very, I want to be very, very careful because there is a capital T global traditionalist movement spearheaded by a guy named Alexander Dugan. Are you familiar yes, with him? Right. Do you agree with him? No. Okay. No, yeah. What's the difference between his teaching and your teaching? I mean, as I understand Dugan, he, he's saying that there is this, universal human tradition that actually is that crosses over into different religions i might have that wrong the traditional catholic is just very much a catholic movement now there might be some similarities but i think do you believe in um a government religion that there should be a that the united states government or any government should dictate the religion 
I think the, there's a very careful distinction here in, in that traditionally in Catholicism, they always promoted that the state, if it were majority Catholic, I mean, medieval, there weren't Protestants or others, yeah. but that the state would recognize the gospel of Christ and put the cross on the coat of arms. And, and that was always part of it. But there was never... Now, there were exceptions, but there was never a, a dogmatic decree that you must become a Christian on pain of death. I know there was a little episode under, under Charlemagne where that yeah. kind of did happen mm-hmm. with the Saxons. But for the majority of 2000 years, that was the position. And, you know, as soon as Christians began to have the majority in the fourth century, all the bishops, all the clergy, all the lay people said, yeah, if our if our emperor, if our king, if our Senate is going to be Christian, then we should honor Christ in the public square. But there's a difference in America. We have always, we come from a tradition that is Judeo-Christian. We come from this tradition and we've never imposed it. And nor, in the founder's opinion, nor should we. Is the founding of the country, should that be reevaluated and looked at? Well, it's interesting. If you look at the founding in, in the states, they did have originally state-sanctioned religions, Quakers, Presbyterians, by state. Yes, and the founders fought against that and testified in court against that. So True. it eventually True. ended. Yeah. But That's kind of but our they, First Amendment. But they, but for example, proclaiming the Ten Commandments, vows on Bibles, all of that was, I think, part of the founding. But you're right, the, the founding fathers were very much opposed to what would we call throne and altar Catholicism, where the, the priesthood is and the bishops are very much integrated into the public life and the policy of the church. And of course, the founding fathers were responding to the Church of England, which was not Catholic, right? But it has a very kind of similar trajectory i guess Mm -hmm. but as odd as it might sound to the american mind i and others would say look at where we are now in 2023 the promise was the public square will not be christian it will not be religious it will be neutral it will be a vacuum and what has happened is is secularism humanism has invaded that so-called vacuum. And I think we would both agree, like secularism very much is a religion. They have their prophets, they have their sacraments, they have their scriptures. And so I think what we've done is, yes, we were pushing against an abuse in the 1700s, but can you really maintain a vacuum for a century or four centuries. Well, we, we, we did for a while. The, the founders said this is wholly inadequate for a non-religious and non-virtuous people. Our problem is not the government. The problem is that the people went soft on God. Yeah. And now this no longer works. Right. Um, but I wouldn't want to live under a under a state religion that uh, was controlling my government or the government was controlling the religion. That's the fastest way to go atheist, I think, or agnostic, um, as we've seen in Europe. Um, the separation of church and state is really vital, but that doesn't mean that it uh, is, you know, the, the First Amendment was to protect the church 
from the government. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we've lost. The government has just introduced itself, said, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. No, that's none of your business. None of your business. It's the job of the church to redeem souls and to get people to live Christianity. And we're not good at that. No. Horrible. Horrible. And I think, you know, as a Catholic, I would be opposed to hard separation to church and state. Pope Pius IX in the 1800s says that's an error. There is a proper integration. I think integration might be a good word. Um, of grace perfecting nature. Um, You know, St. Thomas Aquinas said that grace is what elevates, heals, lifts up, protects nature. And the state is is this natural institution founded by God. But there has to be the sprinkling in of grace because you're a citizen, I'm a citizen. I am a member of the state. I'm a voter, but I'm also a Christian. And I can't separate that reality in my heart, no, 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 in no, my no. body. It's, that's, I, not our, that's not what our founders were talking about. That's not how our found, our founda- that's not our foundation at all. That's the modern foundation. And, the, and that is, you know, we felt, um, you know, Christmas was never a national holiday because it was offensive to the Christians at the time of our founding. You know, they, they, they no. This is a quiet, you know, reverent holiday. They didn't have all this and the commercialism and everything else. Um, our, our founders, you, you, that, that is the problem with today's society. You are asking me to, that I have to agree because you say so. And uh, I'm sorry, but I can't stop believing in God for 10 minutes while I'm with you. Right. Or in the voting booth. Right. Or in the voting booth. I have to do that. But the separation comes not in that. The separation comes from you're a Catholic or you're a Baptist or whatever the religion is. You're this. And so you can participate. And if you don't agree with this, then you can't participate. No, no. We, we, we have to get back to the basic set of principles, the Judeo-Christian values of the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments. Right. That's what the problem is, right. not uh, increasing the power of a religion in by force of law. Would you agree with that or not? Well, just as we can't take our Christianity and push mute when we go into the voting booth, the senator, the president... They shouldn't push mute either. I, I don't. I agree. I believe that. that when they're in office, when they make their speeches, even when they're enacting policy, it should be informed. Agree. By divine revelation and natural law. Agree. But our enemies would say absolutely not. They would say you must mute that. You must hide that. No, you must turn that off. But we get to keep our our religion. Yes, all their radical positions mm-hmm. because they're not so-called religious. Yeah. And I think I'm not saying be ashamed of your your belief or be sh- or shut up about it. Yeah. I I'm sorry. I don't want to be the one that says to you know victims of rape, "Hey, you got to carry the baby to turn." I don't want to do that. I just believe that is a child and it's not it's fault. And right. I, I mean, if it was my daughter, it would kill me because I'd see the pain she's in. 
I don't know what to do, you know, because yeah. I believe what I believe because God says that. Yes. <sighs> okay. But can we say that as a nation? Can we yes. say abortion is wrong? I mean, I have a PhD in philosophy. I can talk all day about natural law in the mm -hmm. beginning of life from a right. metaphysical, philosophical point of view. That's convincing to a small part of the population. It's very hard to enact public policy based on quoting Aristotle and natural law and things like that. Can we as a country say, God says abortion is yeah. wrong, or God says in matrimony is a man and a woman? Because our enemy is say church and state, church and state, separate, separate. I think no, we're at a point. it's the separation, not of the philosophy, but of the actual business of church and business of state. The, sta the church cannot come in and say, you must do this. However, if the population elects uh, Christians and they all are going, no, no, then yes, that's what it is. But it's not dictated because a church is in bed a church the but church the, if you look at the church as a body sure that's what i'm saying like we are the church correct we are the i'm we, not catholic yeah but your church is this group of people yes as long as we're not wait we should have defined that yeah as long as you're not as you're defining the church the way christ defined it as the body of christ oh everybody everybody who is a christian right well i mean i'm a okay. catholic so i have to push back a little bit right because he founded one church matthew 16. you are peter on this church right i will build the gates of hell will not prevail against it there's there can only be one church i know this is not ecumenically correct and it's controversial but there has to be one church and i think you know i used to be a protestant i used to be a protestant minister one of the frustrating things about being a christian in our time is all of the division there's currently 45,000 Protestant groups registered with the United States government. 45,000. And I think our Lord Jesus Christ looks down from heaven and says, that's not what I hey, intended wait a minute, for just you. Just a second. You believe God is our loving father? Absolutely. We're his children? 100%. Are you going to exclude your children because they went to the wrong institution as long as their heart was in the right place? I mean, do you really think that God looks at the Catholics and says, you guys are good. Screw no, the rest tons of tons of bad Catholics. Yeah, no, Absolutely. I know that. Yeah, I know tons that. Of but them. I mean, yeah, but but God made each of us with individual fingerprints. I can't understand how he could then say, but you have to believe. I mean, there's believe in Jesus Christ. Right. Do the things that are the gateway change your ways accept the atonement got it but i have to sing these hymns because they're in this church and not in this church or i have to accept this done in this way when it really right. is pretty much the same over here just different language god is i'm not so i'm not a christian so so jesus instituted one church he didn't say if you guys don't like those hymns or you don't guys guys like the color of that carpet or if you guys disagree on this or that go and start your own go register your own nonprofit and create a new church and a new church and a new church he says that they will know you by your love for one another right he talks about Their the fruit. unity 
And the church was united for a very long time. And we've gotten to this idea of every time I disagree with someone, I'm going to start a new sect, a new church. So and Martin, we have to say, so, so hang on, one church. Right. But that, I believe the Lord was speaking about the people who followed him. Okay. The church. Yes. People think of a church as an institution and four walls. It's not. It's the whole world right. and the people that are following in his way. Um, I mean, I, I can't imagine you're saying Martin Luther shouldn't have nailed those things to the, to the door, uh, his demands. I mean, Martin Luther, there's some bad stuff about right. Martin Luther. Yeah. Bad. There's also some bad stuff, you know, from Catholics and every religion right. has that. So I'm not singling it out. But, you know, when you're selling indulgences or Council of Nicaea, putting things together and saying this is the way it is, this is what is going to be in the approved gospel. Now kill everybody and destroy everything else. Come on. That's not the way Christ would have done it. Yeah. I mean, like to take the case of Luther, he puts the 95 thesis on the door at Wittenberg in Latin for an academic scholastic discussion. That's what right. professors did in the 1500s. I mean, in a way, now they have substacks and podcasts and stuff, but that was kind of the way things were done. And even like up to two, three years after that, he still identifies himself as a Catholic sure. and is engaging in these. The problem happens is I think it's in 1519 or 20, he goes into the public squares, burns the documents, burns the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas and says, yeah. you know, here I stand and all that. I don't, I don't think that our Lord Jesus Christ wanted us battling it out and anathematizing and condemning one another ad infinitum for centuries. Like there, there I, needs to be a way in which we come to a, well, the scripture says one mind, one mind mm -hmm. in Christ. Mm -hmm. St. Paul says the renewing of your mind. Um, they say in Acts chapter two, that they came together for the breaking of the bread, the prayers and the teaching of the apostles. They were all united. I mean, this is apostolic, ancient Christianity and getting to a point where there are 45,000 different versions where we're all in disagreement. That's a problem. It's like in the Old Testament. Were there problems in the Old Testament? Yes. Were there bad priests? Yes. Bad high priests? Yes. Bad kings? Were they killing each other? Were there false prophets? Yes, 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 yes. But you couldn't say, well, I don't like what's going on in Israel right now. I'm going to go start Israel 2.0 down the block and start my own denomination of Israel. In reality, in the Old Testament, you had to stay in the mess of what was Israel. That's a human problem. That's, that's, that's a human problem. I, our founders loved Great Britain. They did not want to break away. It was only after you could do nothing else. He was not going to change. We have to break away. Canada didn't. Look at the difference between Canada. They sit there and they take it. Yeah. Americans said no. They weren't a free from the crown until the 1980s. Okay. I, I'm not that kind of person. I will work and work and work and do everything I can. But at some point, there is a point where you say, I can't do this. I can't do this. Uh, back uh, with uh, Dr. Marshall here in just a second. I hope you take time to really consider the things that we're both talking about. Um, we agree on an awful lot, but 
it's something that you really need to think about because this is everywhere. Um, all right. Let me talk to you about preparing yourself. Uh, we're going to get to the question. Uh, did the Pope uh, just fulfill prophecy for the end of the world to come? We get to that. If if he did, don't worry about preparing because, you know, you're not going to need it. But if he didn't, I'd be prepared for some natural disasters. I'd be prepared for some economic disasters. God only knows what comes from act of God to acts of Congress. Keep in mind, you are responsible for you and your family. Go to preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com. Have some emergency food on hand. Nation's leader in high quality food that will last 25 years. Save $200 on your three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supplies. Make sure you use uh, the promo code BECK, preparewithglenn.com. Within the economy of our Lord Jesus Christ, can you found a new church? Just say, you know what? We're going to start over. Yeah, if the other one is so unbelievably corrupt. Yeah. Yes. But see, it kind of turns the table here because earlier you were saying to me, are you going to exclude? Are you going to say not? But that decision right there is one to exclude the previous body and say they are so no, corrupt. I or wouldn't. No, no, heretical. no. I don't exclude them. I'm friends with priests, uh, Baptists. I, I mean, I've spoken yes. in churches all over. Right. I'm Mormon. Yes. So I'm the Jew in the <laughs> Christian world. OK, nobody likes us. Um, and I find it refreshing and wonderful to go to each and see, you know, you said there's so many differences there. They are so close in most instances. Okay. So close that you're like, guys, we're arguing over nonsense here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank but you. That's the, but that's why I say, how can God give us all individuals and then expect us to to adhere to only one man-made and run religion. Not man-made and run. If, if it were man-made and run, then yes, 45. What? So you're we, saying that everything, you, do you believe the Pope is infallible? Only when he speaks ex cathedra on faith and morals. Okay, so. Every Catholic on earth believes that. I know, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm just, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying. Um, so in what, what to explain what you just said? So in the church, if the Pope says, man, it's going to rain tomorrow, that's not an yeah, infallible statement. Right. If he says, oh, I really like pizza or everyone should have pizza for lunch tomorrow, not infallible. Only when he speaks on faith, doctrine, morality, and he speaks ex cathedra, which is a fancy Latin word, it just means officially from the chair. Like he is making a decree. Okay. So we have very similar in our church. I mean, the Mormon, would, I was going to say, the Mormons, the Mormons have are, are our with the same thing. We believe yeah. that God didn't stop talking to people after Jesus. You know, he had prophets all the way through. Um, and so he speaks. And I would imagine you would be hard pressed to say that my prophet is infallible. Um, but we don't necessarily believe we still believe they're men. And they may be doing and speaking things because they have, um, you know, that's their role yeah. to shepherd people all around the world. Um, and 
but you're still required to think for yourself. You're still required to go. And I know a lot of people that look at the things that I would imagine the same with you. Look at the things that, you know, the Pope or whoever would speak and go. I'm not sure, but God may be doing things that I don't understand right now. Absolutely. But what you're saying is your Pope can do that, but my guy can't do that. Correct. And you're saying your, pro- your prophet can prophet. do it and my Pope can't. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. Oh, you think my, the Pope is ex- infallible? Uh, I believe that God speaks through man. And when it comes to, when it comes to things that are, um, if you are a global or you're a shepherd of the Lord, he's going to speak to the leadership and, and you'll feel that when they speak. Okay. And he, he doesn't have personal revelation for you. Correct. But he has personal revelation for the, for the globe and the direction of his sheep. Absolutely believe that. And if, and I don't happen to agree with, you know, this Pope on, many things me neither yeah Yeah. i know um but uh you know i'm not condemning anybody for believing him and thinking that he's in fact i have no problem with that i have no problem with that god i i don't claim to be god and know what god is is doing um neither do i I, neither do i and i I just know that god's ways are not my ways and i also know that god is uh I, i he, he takes even the worst. And all of a sudden you're like, how did he? I mean, he's like, he's the greatest scientist and magician at the same time. Because he can take the worst thing that's happening in your life or in the world. And all of it, the Holocaust restored Israel. What? He's, yeah. he's amazing. He, he's close to all of us. He wants all of us to be in heaven. He wants all of us to be sanctified in the truth, as he says in the scriptures. And he wants us to be united and close to him. And being a Christian, I think in America, we've gotten away from this. Being a Christian is about being a disciple and a pupil of Jesus Christ. Yes. That's a decision you make every day. Take up your cross and follow me daily, he says. Not like on Sunday or once a year on Easter. Take up your cross and follow me daily. And the greatest failure of our time is that Christianity has become more political or more social, and it's not an interior renewal. It's not an encounter with Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And how do I live for you daily? I think, and this is where I would push back on, um, not on your theory, because your theory of traditional you know returning to to, to traditional roots and being outside of the world i think is correct that's where we've all kind of gone wrong you know Mm -hmm. hey let's put some lights and organs up yeah you're like uh, yeah have some coffee during church yeah yeah um it's too casual Mm -hmm. um however that's my opinion but um uh one of the problems that i have sometimes in church of any church that i go to is sometimes they're not taking the scripture and telling me how this is applied today. Yeah. And, you know and what to, I mean? to me, yes. Right. Yeah. Our churches will not speak out. I mean, 
Joe Biden. You know, and, and yeah, with he's me, he's a Catholic, right? Uh, at least right, on paper, right? Yeah. And with in my church, there was Harry Reid. Yeah, he was for abortion. How the hell does that work? Right. You cannot be exactly this religion. If you're doing this, you can say it influences me. Right. But you're not following that. Yes. So um, and that's a problem, I think, in the church. So how do you balance the tradition in Latin? And yep. by the way. Here's what this means in your life today. This is this should tell you how you should behave in business. This should tell you tell you how you raise your children. This is how you vote, yes. not what to, who to vote for, right. but the principles. The principles. Yes. Yeah. How do you balance those? It's the, I mean, that, is, that has been the tightrope for two thousand years. You people fall off on the right and the left, and even in a integrated Christian society, Christendom, like thirteen mm -hmm. people say, like the thirteenth century was a really good example. Even then, you have problems, abuses. Part of the problem is is because of original sin and our concupiscence and our flesh. We're all in a battle ourselves, right? We're all tempted towards evil, selfishness power grabs mm -hmm. control natural and, man is an enemy of god yeah and, and until the second coming of our lord when all things are renewed that reality is going to be there so it's always i mean part that's one of the things we've lost in christianity is is the concept of war battle spiritual struggle i think feminism and a lot of things that happened in the 1900s post-world war ii people said you know onward christian soldiers that's sort of offensive militaristic we need to get back to this understanding that we are in a, a spiritual, spiritual battle. battle and mm -hmm. our, our enemies are not principally other people, St. Mm -hmm. Paul says. Our enemies are the dark, evil principalities. Yes. The demons, yes. the diabolical. That is ultimately what we are fighting against. And, and I would just, I just hope that we, if you say, I love Jesus Christ, I hope in him, I believe in him, I want to serve God, we need to not just in a generic way unite, but we need to unite structurally and being 45,000 different. I mean, think of like the Republican Party were 45,000 different groups. Nothing, I mean, nothing gets done anyway, but nothing would for sure get done. There needs to be uh, a unity. There needs to be a Christendom. And as a Catholic, I, th I think this is, the way forward. I know a lot of people would disagree with me, but so if if the people voted for Baptist, would you fold in? No, of course not. Okay. <laughs> well, then yeah. why would you expect anybody else to? Fold I don't in? expect them to. Oh, okay, I don't. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's talk about because I agree with you. We are in a spiritual battle. I've never seen yes. evil more plain and clear in my life. Yes, I mean, it's like you're standing there. I never understood how. You know, one side won't see it, the other side will. Yeah. You're standing there and you're like, is it just me? I mean, this is so obvious. Right. Um, I want to I talk and shift gears to the battle that we're in and specifically Catholic prophecy. Hmm. Um, I have a couple of rad trad, you know, Catholic friends who uh, are big fans of yours. And they they said... This is, what is it, Gar, Gar, Garbon? Garbondal. Garbondal. Um, and I know about Fatima, but most mm -hmm. people don't know about Fatima. Um, 
and the prophecy with Russia mm. and war and the Pope going over did what what the Pope is doing right now. Is he fulfilling the bad side of that prophecy of the last war? That's a lot right there, Glenn. Right, I know. Yeah, let's back up. So, okay. you know, as you know, Catholics believe that the veil between the living and the dead is thin, thin, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the idea that angels or saints or all that would be intervening in human affairs right now is very much accepted and understood for the past 2000 years. My relate, my, my church believes the same. the same, right? We, mm-hmm. have, we have different perspectives on that. But so there is this recurring theme in history of when things get very bad, usually poor, isolated people will have a vision. A great example is Joan of Arc, right? There's this hundred year war going on. It's been devastating families and nations. And she has these visions and basically leads the French to win and all these prophecies and right. And like, it's like, Historians look at it and they're like, it's almost, how would she know all this stuff, Mm -hmm. right? So this stuff is happening. And so in the last hundred years, there was a major event that happened in 1917. It began on May 13th and it went to October 13th, every day on the 13th day of the month. And the Blessed Virgin Mary is said to have appeared to three shepherd children. Uneducated. Uneducated, yeah. Yeah. Uh, greatly persecuted. Mm-hmm. You know, the mayor and the judge of the town actually imprisoned them. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a lot going on. What was the name of that movie? I remember Rockwell uh, made the painting for the movie poster. Oh, um, uh, I think it was Our Lady of Fatima, wasn't it? Was, was it? The name of I, it? I don't remember. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. It's, great it's, movie. it's a very powerful story. Mm-hmm. I encourage people to, to Google it. Look, there's a lot of good books on it. Yeah. Um, and she revealed three secrets to the children. And the first secret was a vision of hell. And she said, you need to pray for people because people are falling into hell like snowflakes. And it was a horrendous vision that greatly troubled the children. And I I believe the reason that that was revealed to the children is because we were moving into the 1900s when it was basically, I'm okay, you're okay, God loves everyone, there is no hell. And she also said in the second secret that there's going to be a world war if people don't repent a world war. And she says it will start in Russia, right? This is 1917. These are mm-hmm. children in Portugal. And so she says, I and would, if I remember right, they didn't even know Well, they're so uneducated. They I didn't even, they know. even know Russia. They didn't even know it. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't know, know what Russia was. And she says, I want the Pope and the bishops of the world to consecrate Russia. Because Russia, for some reason, and this could go back to the apocalypse, the book of Revelation, Gog and Magog, Mm -hmm. but Russia as a nation in particular needs to be consecrated, dedicated, prayed for. So that's the second. Because she says it's about to turn ugly. She says Russia will spread spread her errors throughout the world. Right. Now, this all happened in 1917. Right. It's remarkable. There's no way three little kids made this up. No. And then the third secret was put into an envelope it was said to be too much to reveal and was sent to the pope and said this is to be opened in the year 1960 and there it remained in the vatican from the 197 mm-hmm. you know 19, decades 18, whatever yeah and then in 1960 pope john the 23rd came out this was on the new york times 
I'm not going to, re-. he opened it, he read it, he goes, this is not for our times, I'm not going to reveal it. This is on the New York Times. Pope, you know, refuses mm-hmm. to reveal this because the whole world been waiting. They're like, what mm-hmm. is this? Like the first two are pretty big. The vision of hell and then this Russian mm-hmm. spreading our errors. And we did have a world war, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So all this, so everyone was like, we want to know what's in it. And he didn't reveal it. And this was disappointing. So many people, there's all this speculation on what it could be. So in the, in the year 2000, the Vatican released what they say purport is the third secret. And it tells of a vision of an angel saying, repent, repent, repent. And then there's this vision of a bishop in white. Only bishop that wears white, that wears white is the pope. With, with bishops and nuns and people going up a hill to a, a cross And then they are all completely slaughtered. And then there's this devastation. But what's unusual about the third secret is that the first and the second had visions and then had the Virgin Mary explaining what those visions meant. And the third secret, when they put it out, it's just this vision and no no explanation. And so people said, well, where's the second half? Like it's a exotic terrifying vision, but we don't really know what this means. And this has led many scholars and most people to say that the Vatican never released the rest of it. So this kind of puts us on, on watch of wondering, well, what is going to happen and what is the role of Russia? And it's interesting, Pope Francis last year consecrated Russia and Ukraine. And people wonder, well, did adding the Ukraine make it invalid right. or whatnot? But that's a very... You know, it's a very controversial topic in the Catholic, I'd say it's been the top three or five yeah. controversial topics in the Catholic Church is Fatima and the third secret of Fatima. And he didn't also, if I'm, you'll know, he didn't do it the way you were supposed to do it far as he didn't have the bishops worldwide and everything, did he? He, he invited, kind of invited them to join in wherever they were. I mean, again, this is a big debate. Did he really meet the criteria of it? I. I have my doubts about it, honestly, um, because the idea is if Russia is consecrated properly, there'll be a massive conversion. And we have seen some positive things in Russia, but we have not seen some not positive things in Russia. So I, I don't think it, it's been done. And related to that, you mentioned Garabandel. Now, Garabandel happened in the 1960s, similar to Fatima. Fatima was approved by the Catholic Church and the Pope. Right. This is a real miracle. We've investigated it. We've interviewed everybody involved. Um, at the end of it, there was this huge miracle of the sun that had 50 to 70,000 people that saw it, including atheists testified that this miraculous thing happened. I think it was in the New York Times, too. It was. Wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, all was- this stuff has been documented, and most of those people are now dead, obviously, but there were interviews with these people that explained what they saw. So something supernatural happened there. Garabandel was a, a similar situation. Where is it? That's in Spain. Okay. And so Portugal and, and Spain. now Spain. Okay. And at Garabandal, it was never approved by the church. And there was a few things in it that were controversial. One is that there would be a, a synod that, would, that God would not approve of. Something bad would happen. And What's a synod? A synod is like a council, a meeting, a group. Okay. Um, That's an official calling for the church? Yes. The pope calls it or yeah. who calls it? Yeah, a pope. 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 Could be bishops in a certain region, but in this case. Are they regular, a synod? So it's interesting. Pope Francis has made synods almost a yearly or bi-yearly thing. And this is what people are interested in. They're like, wow, 
Francis, Wait. and now this year, Francis is having what's called the Synod on Synodality. It's like a double Synod on Synod. <laughs> so people are now, this is why Garabandal has become popular again, because there was this discussion of a, of a bad Synod, and now the Pope's having the Synod on Synod, and he's talking about maybe updating teaching on homosexuality or marriage or women in the priesthood. And, you know, it's got a lot of people set off. Okay, so now this is what... Garabandel. Garabandel. Tell, tell me who appeared and what, who they talked so to. So this is, again, this is allegedly, uh, and I'm very careful on this. People say, are you believing Garabandel? And I'm like, well, it's not approved by the church, so I think we should be very guarded and careful about it. Um, but again, uh, appeared to three children. Uh, the, the lead girl, who, who's most well-known, is named Conchita. And she's still alive. She's still alive, mm-hmm. and she lives in New York. And she's quiet. Yeah, right. I know. But she says that eventually. Love to talk to her. I know, right? Get Conchita <laughs> on the Glenn Beck show. Um, but another element is in that vision, it said that before things get really apocalyptic, like really bad, doesn't say Armageddon, but that kind of idea, mm. the Pope will go to Russia. Now, that's something that Francis has very much been wanting to do and 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 Putin has been to the Vatican I think two or three times already and Putin is open to it and allegedly when the Pope was going to Mongolia he was going to stop in the airport and meet mm-hmm. with Putin maybe and the patriarch of the Orthodox mm-hmm. um, but these things haven't happened yet but there is Francis seems very Pope Francis seems very eager yeah, to get to Russia so the fact that Pope Francis has consecrated Russia and the Ukraine He's doing this synod of synodality, which has a liberal bent, and then he just seems so eager to get into Russia. You know, Garbandel was kind of a big thing in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and it kind of, people forgot about it. Mm-hmm. But now that all these things are happening, people are like, man, like all the stuff in Garbandel seems to be kind of happening. emerging and almost being like fulfilled in this time. And so people are, are much more interested in these private revelations, these prophecies that may be speaking directly to political events in our time. Your thoughts on those? I think it's interesting. Again, since it's not approved, you know, I don't want to be part of an end times cult or, you know, but I follow it. I definitely follow it. Did you know that we see with our brain and not our eyes? Our brain constantly senses what's happening all around you. And how we see not only depends on the strength of our own eyes, but it also helps the brain make decisions. It, it fills things in for us, our brain does. This is why you need as much vision field and peripheral vision as possible. Vision is so important to humans that almost half of our brain's capacity, 25% of our day's energy is dedicated to your sight and visual perception. Rodenstock biometric intelligence glass, intelligent glasses. I have to tell you, until you actually put them on, you have no idea how good they are. Your brain instantly adapts to them because you're, you're seeing everything. It's, you know how you get glasses and you have to look right here and then you look over here and it's all blurry. This is... It's as close to a restoration of your eyesight I've ever seen. It's your eyes will be less tired, more relaxed, um, and it's a seamless visual experience. 
biometric intelligence glasses with artificial intelligence from Rodenstock. I want you to go to Better Spectacles right now. That's betterspectacles.com slash Beck. Schedule your teleoptical appointment and get your glasses for 60, 61% off right now. Betterspectacles.com slash Beck. I think that, I mean, even the apostles did. I think every generation or two must think if you were living in the 1930s with an exception of there was just too much unfulfilled you had to think you know what i mean yeah that just like had to feel world like world war it's the end of the world here. yes um jesus is coming and uh you know so everybody thinks that you know a lot of this stuff has been fulfilled and you know it could be a thousand years five thousand years from now but I think there's a possibility he's coming pretty soon. I mean, one of the main prophecies that's in the Bible, so it's approved, you know, it's from Christ and it's in the book of Revelation, is that there'll be a great apostasy. And an apostasy is a falling away, a turning away from God. And if you watch the news and you look at the demographics globally, now there are pockets like Africa and Asia where you see Mm -hmm. great amounts of faith Mm -hmm. and revival and and the preaching of the gospel, but uh, elsewhere, the demographics are in steep decline. Like crazy. Yeah. Like people not even getting married, atheism, abortion, birth rates down the drains. I mean, we Catholics and Mormons are keeping the birth rates up (laughs) in some places, but it. Never, never in the past 2000 years have we seen such an abandonment to Christian gospel teaching uh, faith as we've seen in the last 50 years and in acutely in the last 10 to 20 years. Even in even in the time of like Obama, there was more resistance than there is now, which is bizarre to yeah. me, but maybe we're just so soft as Christians. You know, I, I met a refugee from uh, China and she was in a camp because she had a Bible and she escaped. And um, she said, you know what we're praying for? You, we're, we're praying for you guys all the time in China. And I said, really, what are you praying for? And she said that you'll be destroyed. And I said, wait. What? <laughs> and she said, you have to be humbled. She said, you've yeah. forgotten who you are and you've gone so far off that it's going to take a great humbling. And then you'll remember who you are and you'll be a great nation again. Yeah. yeah, that's very biblical because you look at the people of Israel when they forgot God and they went into servitude under Pharaoh. And then it took Moses to come and lead them into liberation. And you know, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I don't know what God has in store for us. Maybe he will return, come again, or maybe we will have to be broken upon the rocks and then restored in some new way. And I, and I pray and I hope that we can be united. I think, you know, when you have a burning fire, all those embers and they're together, when you bring those embers together and they're hot, you can forge a sword. I mean, that's a hot fire. If you take all those little embers and coals and you spread them all out, right? Mm -hmm. What happens to the heat? It's gone. And I believe that we are so divided. We are fractured into 45,000 different groups. Our heat is dissipated. So I agree with you um, wholeheartedly. Um, 
except for the fact that you're talking about actual structure. I think that we have so much in common, those who are actually following Christ and trying to live Christ-like. There's a lot of people, I can't tell you the number of Christians I talk to that are like, what are we going to do? We got to rise up. You're like, uh, shod your, your feet in the gospel of peace here. You know, um, let truth lead you. And, um, and they're like, yeah, 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 God stuff. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Yeah. But I mean, what are we going to do? Live like the savior, stand up firm, say what is the truth that you know, because God says it's the truth. Don't waver. But what do you mean? You don't, you don't believe that God, when we, those, those people who are trying to really live humbly like Christ, when they come together, you don't expect miracles. Cause I do. Yes. And I don't have to, I don't have to be a member of your faith, but by my fruit, you will know me by your fruit. I'll know you. If that's good fruit, we, we just need to stop bashing each other over the head and, and say, look, we're going to have differences. We have differences, and some may be big, some may be small, but I see the spirit of Christ in you. We've got to lock arms right now because there is a storm coming. But that's not what you're talking about, is it? Well, I mean, I think there needs to be institutional unity. It can't just be informal. We have to actually be united. You look at the early church, you look at them in the catechisms, they are actually united. I, I don't believe as a Catholic that I can just perceive good works in other people or in you and good work that you do and say, that's enough, we're good. We are in a battle. I mean, think about it. if you're in a battle and there are no generals for everyone to do, we lose that battle every time. If you're in the, if you're in the Super Bowl and the NFL team and there is no coach and everyone's going to play quarterback every other play. Yeah, and, it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, whenever you are in a fight for your life, there has to be structure. And we're in a fight for our life right now. And I'll be the very first person. I think one of the reasons that, that people listen to me is I'm extremely critical of bad things in the Catholic Church historically and today. I don't try to whitewash over. There's cracks everywhere. I'm not trying to spackle over that. I'm saying this is a problem. Priest molesting children is a grave, wicked Judas problem in the church and it must be brought down to zero percent not to one percent like this has to stop you know and liberalism and and apathy all i i am wait wait more critical probably about what's going on and what has gone on than anyone out there and yet i say but this is the flag lift the flag let's rally let's go um what do you mean by liberalism? Well, there's two kind of traditional definitions. Liberalism as in promoting liberty, like the liberal arts. Mm-hmm. I'm all about that. That's yeah. great. But liberalism in our own time is more associated with leftism, communism, social Marxism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a, an unhealthy egalitarianism. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's not Christian. That's not what Christ came to he equal dignity for all people. Yes. Right. God desires a salvation of every single person. Absolutely. Yes. But what we see going on in this, this global 
globalist tidal wave that's coming over us. That's against Christ. Tell you the stuff Jeremiah Wright teaches. I mean, kind of the Pope is in some of that, you know, um, that bed of collective salvation Mm-hmm. That is so dangerous that yeah. was planted in the Catholic Church to destroy the Catholic Church's influence on people in South America. Yep. And to hear people talk, Christians say it's collective salvation. No. Yeah. Where did that come from? I mean, other than Marxism. You take Marxism and then you tie a little Christian bow on it and that's what you get. Right. And it's completely opposed to the gospel of Christ. And in, in, in the Catholic Church, it's, it's called liberation theology. Yes. And liberation theology is, is really that Christ came as sort of a Moses to lead us politically out of capitalistic domination under Pharaoh and is going to bring us into a Marxist, they wouldn't say Marxist, but Marxist utopia. And that that's ultimately what the gospel is. It's this social uh, equalizer that came and that's not at all. I mean, even our Lord said, you'll always have the poor with you. We want to always help all the poor as much as we can. But the idea that we're going to bring about a Marxist revolution is preposterous. Yeah. That's, that's not Christianity. And it's really, oddly enough, it rose after the rise of Marxism. It's just a Christianized version. I hate to even say Christianized version of Marxism. Deadly philosophy. Yes. Wrapped in paper that looks like it's Christian. Exactly. It has the name Jesus on it, but it's not the real Jesus. And, and I, I, as a Catholic, I have to be the first to admit that that has taken a stranglehold on so many of the bishops, cardinals, and even the Pope. And yeah. I believe that this infiltration went back to the 1800s, that already in the early 1800s, you know, they had, they had attacked Christians for centuries. They had turned them into martyrs. Um, even Napoleon attacked Mm -hmm. the church endlessly. And I think after the French revolution and Napoleon, the enemy said, we can't, the more we attack them from the outside Mm -hmm. and spill their blood, the more martyrs they have actually, the more successful they become. Let's attack them on the inside. So who is the guy that came up with, I can't remember social justice. I think Mm -hmm. it was originally a Catholic, but he didn't mean it the way it's being done now. Yeah. It was, uh, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, It might even be earlier, but yeah, that's the origin of the term social justice, which is actually kind of a misnomer because if you look at Aristotle or Thomas Aquinas, the philosophical tradition, justice is defined as what we owe one another. That's what justice is. If you, if I don't give what is owed, that is unjust. And that regards our creator that regards me and you employers, employees, all mm-hmm. that. So justice is always social. There's always a, you can never mm-hmm. be just justice by yourself. Mm-hmm. Justice is you and God or mm-hmm. me and Glenn. So social justice is kind of a way to just sneak in the word socialism <laughs> into justice. <laughs> you know, you don't really need to say social justice. You can just say justice. And that's good enough. Because a lot of people that I know, uh, Catholics, good Catholics, they will, they bristle at social, you hear social justice and they, and you Mm -hmm. say, uh, warning, no, this is Catholic. This is very different. And I don't know if all of the Catholics who think that know that a lot of it has been distorted. I mean, I've read the original stuff and I'm like, okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Not this. Not this. Not this. Not this. And it's become, it's a replacement for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Instead, it has become Jesus was an enlightened teacher who helped people. Yeah. So why don't we be enlightened and go out and help people, you know, and let's all go down to the, to the border and hug people, you know, like it's, it's sort of this very fuzzy teddy bear Christianity that forgets the cross, forgets, you know, it's a part of Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not why he came. It is, it is not the end all be all. Yeah. And it, it is, it is made the end all be all goal of, of yes. apparently what Christ taught us. Right. And it lends itself to globalism, Marxism, and the destruction of Sadly, this is kind of what we're experiencing in the Catholic Church, destruction of family, which is totally opposed. I mean, you look at Catholics, who's like number one out there against abortion and, yeah. and family and monogamy and all these things. And it's like we're being shot in the back by our own people inside the walls of this structure. Sometimes it seems like there is a running battle between cyber criminals and the government to see who can steal the most money from the largest number of people. Hmm. I think the government's winning, but it's a race. Um, the competition against the government from stealing your stuff is the cyber criminals, and it's one of the fastest growing crimes in America right now, and that's home title th- um, theft. Somebody can come in and take your home, all of your equity. They just forge one simple document and it's over. And you don't know it until somebody is, you know, bulldozing your home and you're like, wait, that's my what? Find out if your title has already been taken. If you're a victim of home title uh, fraud, if you find out early, you can do something about it. And that's where home title lock, they put a shield around your home's title. They instantly detect activity or tampering and they shut it down fast. First things first, verify you aren't already a victim. Find out for free with sign up when you use the promo code Beck at HomeTitleLock.com. Promo code Beck, HomeTitleLock.com. Francis, um, I've heard people refer to him as a black pope. And black popes are... The popes that have gone. Sounds kind of racist. <laughs> He's clearly <laughs> yeah, white. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but uh, black popes were the popes that got went really dark, right? There's like a few, like. No, usually black pope refers to the head of the Jesuits. <laughs> the word black. Okay. Uh, and, and he's the first Jesuit pope that's ever existed now because you could make a case for me we're talking the same thing yeah, okay if we're talking could jesuits be. could be, be no, i mean the, the jesuits way. actually you go back like in the 15 1600s and even 1700s these guys were like the navy seals man have you yeah. ever seen the movie yeah. the mission yeah those guys are in their black robes and they are like climbing waterfalls yeah. to go preach to the natives right a great movie the mission if you've never yeah. seen it um they were kind of like the navy seals like the pope would send them in like okay we need you guys to go to china Right. Go evangelize the Chinese and the Japanese. And um, one of the Jesuits, uh, St. Francis Xavier, baptized like 500,000 converts mm-hmm. in India. So these guys were like the front lines. And what happened is, is they started sending them into the universities to get more and more advanced training and all mm-hmm. that. And then by the late 1800s and by the 1940s and 50s, the Jesuits are falling off a cliff. Yeah. 
because now they're looking at the esteem of the world and credentials yep. and all that instead of their original goal, which was to be the Navy SEALs of, at, you know, the tip of the spear for evangelization. So for people that are looking at Francis and seeing him and wondering, I mean, I, my, my Catholic part of my family does not like Pope Francis. Yeah. They do not like, they don't think he's, you know, on the right side. Um, how do you respond to that? I'm one of those people. And, and you have to be very careful as a Catholic because you recognize office, yes. but you can resist. You yes. know? And, you know, I was just near us in Tyler, Texas is Bishop Strickland. I don't know if you've yeah, followed that so story. I, I want you to talk about this. So I actually met with him yesterday and, and he is under investigation and, and will likely be asked to resign or be removed. And he's the one Catholic bishop in America who was outspoken against enforced mandates for receiving a certain injection, you know, mm -hmm. during a time. And when the L.A. Dodgers had these transvestites dressed up like nuns, yep. he was the only bishop who went out there and he peacefully prayed and just right. stood as a witness that, you know, men dressing up as transsexual yeah. nuns with crosses and rosary is blasphemous, blasphemy. And it's, it should not be promoted by the Dodgers. Um, and he was, he's one of the few bishops in America who's, you know, raised questions about the agenda of Pope Francis and lo and behold, he had an investigation against him ordered by the Vatican a month and a half ago. And it was just released over the weekend that, a that a meeting between the Pope and two Cardinals, um, that they were going to ask Bishop Strickland in Tyler, Texas, just an hour and a half from here to resign. And if Why? he didn't resign, he they're going to increase the encouragement for him to resign. What did he do? He is, he's a witness to the truth. I mean, he, no, but, but what, like, what I, is his crime? What's his crime? No what? one knows. No one knows. That's the problem. His crime is that he is a very bold witness. And some, somebody feels very threatened by this and is tattletelling to Rome and saying, get this guy out of here. You should have him on the show. He's just I would love to. Yeah. I'd love to. You put me in touch with him. You know, I'd be happy to. I, uh, the times are calling for um, extraordinary bravery. Yeah. And he is. I mean, and you meet Bishop Strickland and all he talks about is Jesus Christ. And I'm not like exaggerating. Yeah. Like he's a person who's on fire for the Lord and he wants people to, to know, love and serve God. And he's talking about the gospel and he's just a witness. He's a joyful man who you can tell Christ is alive in him. He's a bishop of the Catholic church and he, he's being a witness against things that are very controversial, like transsexualism yeah. and imposed medical treatments. I think Jesus probably would be very clear too. Yes, and, and for that fact, he's being persecuted. So, um, one last thing. Isn't there another, is he a cardinal up in Philadelphia that is very outspoken, that's always in trouble with the Vatican? Someplace back east, I thought. Well, there's, there's Father James Altman, who's been, who's been in, in trouble a lot. There's Archbishop Vigano. Yeah, that's who I was Okay, thinking, Archbishop yeah. Vigano. He's actually uh, Italian, and he used to be the ambassador from the Vatican to the United States. So he lived okay. in D.C., and he was the go-between right. between the Pope and the president and everyone, right? Well, I love him. 
He's incredible. He's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible. And um, I was, he asked me to read a, a prayer and address for him on the Supreme Court during one of the big rallies mm-hmm. in the last election. That's another time period. But he, um, he is very critical of the agenda of Pope Francis. And he also was the whistleblower on Cardinal McCarrick, who had been the Cardinal Archbishop of D.C., who molested boys, embezzled money, had done so many horrible things for decades, and people covered and covered and covered for him. Archbishop Vigano, who also had been in D.C. and figured some of these things out and blew the whistle on him. And so Archbishop Vigano is another one of these very loud voices in the Catholic Church, um, who is also traditionally minded, and he's living in hiding right now. In hiding? Yes, he's living in hiding. Why? Because he's an old man and he's afraid they're going to get him. Who's going to get him? Important people. I mean, it was just announced today that Francis is having this meeting with Bill Clinton and Gavin Newsom. And Gavin Newsom? Yes. Wow, that's double the... And, you know, the Clintons, you bring in the Clintons and things get a little, you know, sometimes you want to go into hiding. That's that's it's crazy, right? It's crazy. It's absolutely we're, crazy. We're living in like a Jason Bourne movie. I know it's weird. It is. It is really weird. Yeah. And there's there's this you know I wrote this book called Infiltration and there's an infiltration in the church like the enemies of God like Judas Iscariot mm-hmm. was an infiltrator. Mm-hmm. Satan is. I mean he used to be a good angel. Mm-hmm. Now he's an evil angel. He fell and. You know, I, I had this idea for like another book, like the infiltration of government, because it's the same move, right? It's always better. And I think China knows this and our enemies know this, that it's much better to get on the inside, mm-hmm. right? And make a mess mm-hmm. than it is to, you know, shoot guns I or mean, drop a bomb. The people that are in Washington right now, even Clinton's, were the radicals of the 1960s. Yeah. They never... They never changed their philosophy. They just realized can't beat them on the outside. Exactly. Got to go inside. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can root it all out now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is going to take a godlike miracle and, and, uh, and many, many, many brave people standing up and saying, right. This is it. This is my line. This is it. I'm not going. Yeah. And I I think that's happening. I do too. I I feel that the evil is increasing. And I think more and more people, you know, especially since the last election and especially since the uh, COVID COVID situation, people are realizing that our hope in the American democratic process is decreasing. And people are asking, well, what is the next Thing. You know, what, where do we go from now? And I, that leader has not yet appeared or that that message, it doesn't seem it has come into full focus yet. But I think I think it will unless our Lord returns. I think something will break. Well, something will break yeah. and something will replace. It's just a matter of. Yep. Of what or would you. Would you be looking for somebody that would. Reset to factory settings. We haven't done the Constitution in 100 years. Right. Reset to factory settings, or you want to try something new? I don't know. I, I'd, I'd say I'm out 50-50 on that. I, I kind of, it, the Constitution, as you said earlier, worked well when people had basic morality and virtue set in them. And 
we have lost that. I mean, it's it's so frustrating to me that your vote and my vote are canceled out by an 18 year old who watches TikTok all day and and has no investment in our country. I mean, I have eight children. I am invested in the political part of our of our culture and our nation, the religious element, and just the idea that we can vote our way out of this crisis, especially given. Well, it used to be one vote per household. Yes. Didn't women could vote if you were the head of the household. That? What do you think about that? It's controversial. I, I, I personally think that, uh, uh, I don't have a problem with that, but yeah. that requires a, an understanding of traditional marriage and family and, and family yeah. and, yeah. and being on the same page. I don't know how you are married to somebody who's a leftist. If you're a conservative, Okay, nobody would be for the yeah. one vote there. Right. But I don't care if my wife casts the vote and we've talked about it and we're like, yeah, because we're usually on the same page almost right. always. Um, but I know there's a lot of families that aren't. But that again comes back to the scriptures. Are right. you leading a biblical life? Because uh, yeah. when you understand the Bible and you understand what it's actually saying, it leads you to certain principles and you can spot other principles right. that are not in agreement. Yeah. It's a worldview. Yeah. And that, that part of Christianity is not just accepting Christ. It's a worldview. It's, it's, it's having the new eyes, right? The binoculars to see the culture and to see where we're being attacked and how to respond or how to protect your family. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, hey, I brought it. you something. Oh, boy. It's a rosary. Oh, and this is a World War One. This is actually the U.S. government issued these to soldiers. Wow. And this is a reproduction. So there you Thank go. Thank you. Yeah. I, I tell you, I uh, this is one thing I do like about the. Um, I like the rituals. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, growing up Catholic, yeah. I went to a Catholic school. We said, you did. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. Said the rosary uh-huh. um, had a I, I think um, not in a way to dim- diminish Christ in any way, but I I like celebrating his mother. Yeah, she's beautiful. Uh, uh, yeah, it says in Luke, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And so like a lot of people think Mary like takes away from Jesus, but She's the magnifying glass. Like if you get to, if I got to know your mother, yeah. I would really get to know you pretty well. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. the mother is, is really just a, a magnifier of the sun. And but yeah. people don't understand. They think, you know, it's like Mormons. They think for some reason or another, we worship Joseph Smith. No, we don't. Right. He was a man. Yeah. That's all he was. Yeah. This is the mother of yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. We don't worship her. Pro- we don't worship her. But, what, what is the... Yeah, I mean, but the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, like, you know, Jesus honored his father, God, and he honored his mother. And if we're his disciples, it's, we should just honor her, you know. But, but anyway, I, I thought, I thought that it's kind of a, a piece of American history that that was a government-issued World War rosary Everybody. and thousands of men died on the field and clutching those, you know. Every, everyone was issued a Bible. Yeah. And it saved a lot of lives. I know. Because they kept it right here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> and it was a yeah. metal cover right. on it. Yeah. But thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. God bless. Keep the good thank work. Thank you. You too. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 